0: Ephesians, we're in Ephesians this morning, and that is in chapter 2, verses 4 through 9, Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, and God's word says this, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared
1: beforehand that we should walk in them. Please be seated. Lord, we thank you for your word. We're asking for your Holy Spirit's help.
0: We pray for illumination. We pray for your Holy Spirit to make application in our hearts as we listen and
1: interact with the word preached. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's a brand new series today,
0: beginning today and ending today. The series is called One of the Five Solas of the Reformation. <laughs> and how this came about is I'm I'm happy. I love to be able to preach at night to the Calvary Chapel Church. I get in there and and at least this time those little Brazilian boys that are part of that church won't give me a hard time because Manchester United did win recently. They, they normally like it when I'm there to give me a hard time. I preached... To that congregation, basically the same sermon that I have in the morning is thought through. I tell them that I practice on you guys, and then it's better by the time they get it. Um, And, uh, you know, I'll change a baseball illustration to a soccer illustration, or there's maybe something in there as an illustration that applies or fits better, and you kind of see how things are going. And I have no problem. I'd preach for them every Sunday night if they would ask me. Last week, Pastor Darcy came to me right before the service, and he said, would you preach for me next week? Uh, Darcy is in charge of the, all the Portuguese language churches within our denomination, and I think there's one he needed to be at today for some special reason. I'm like, oh, sure, because I'm thinking, I can just preach that, John. He says, I'm preaching on the five solas of the Reformation, and so you've got sola gratia, grace alone. So I said, okay, I can do that because I'm not going to turn down an opportunity to share the gospel and, and preach. And I got to thinking, well, we could all use a little emphasis on grace this time of year, and, and maybe we'll take a break from John, and rather than preach and write two sermons, um, we're all getting Ephesians too, and it's been wonderful. And if you haven't been in Ephesians for a while, you're going to appreciate it. So... Five solas of the Reformation. What is that anyway? What is that anyway? And you'll hear, if you're in a Presbyterian church uh, long enough, right around this time, and I've done this before, maybe twice or three times in, uh, in my, my 18 years here, uh, the five solas of the Reformation. Five things that distinguished uh, the Reformation message. Um, what can I name them all? Could you name them all? I could do it if I thought about it. Uh, sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola Fide, faith alone. Sola Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. I'm missing Christ. I don't quite know how to say that in Latin. Sola Christus, maybe? Sola Christ. am I right? Latin teacher? All right, good. And then Sola Grate, grace alone. And I'm not even sure what Darcy has covered in his congregation and and where he's going or what he would have done with grace alone. But me, I can't think of a better passage on God's grace and a better one if you're a new Christian or an old Christian than Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. You want something to memorize that will just make things clear for you that you can go back to? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Did it as a little kid in the Baptist church. Did it in seminary. You've done it in your Presbyterian churches. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. That's what we're going to really focus on. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. Lest any man should boast. If you could work for it, you'd be bragging about it. Some of us brag about it even though we haven't even worked for it. We brag and, and take a false human pride in our salvation. Grace alone. Grace alone. Now, I wanted to say this. Um, I'm reading this wonderful book. I'm 86 pages in. It's only 600 pages and then 300 pages of footnotes. The Reformation as Renewal. Retrieving the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church by a guy named Michael Barrett. I like the guy who writes writes the foreword to it, a guy named Carl Truman. What he's saying is that a lot of times we get this whole idea of the Reformation wrong. We think of Martin Luther and those guys. Boy, they're the radicals. They split the church. They started their own denomination. They did all their things. And the answer is no. They did everything they could to stay in the Catholic Church. They saw the ways that had gone corrupt as institutions and organizations do. They saw there had been theological drift, and they were trying to bring it back, but they never said, I'm tired of this, let's
1: go start a new church. But they said, you're lacking in your understanding of all those solas. And grace was one of them. They basically said
0: what you hear a politician say. I've heard people say it on both sides of the, of the two major parties in American politics. Somebody will stand up and say, I didn't leave the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me. I didn't leave the Democrats. They left me. And I'm still the same. That's what Luther and them were saying. The Catholic Church is leaving us. Let's bring it back. And in the end, Martin Luther never left the church. He was kicked out by the Pope and the church has continued. So when you see something in your worship folder with Anselm, like I put in there today, or something, uh, somebody references the, the church fathers, quote-unquote, don't, um, don't say, well, that's Catholic stuff. That's Christian stuff. It is Catholic stuff, and it's, it's, it, it might be some
1: very good stuff. But we do have a beef with anyone, Catholic, Protestant, anyone, who says that
0: salvation is anything other than by God's grace alone. And so, let's look at this passage, God's grace alone. I've got uh, what do I have? Let me look down here. I think three three points because that's always that, that's a good that's a good way to go if you can do it that way. First point, our condition before God intervened. Second point, our condition after God intervened third why god intervened and then some application what is our condition in our life
1: before god intervenes before he intervened well verse 1 that we didn't read
0: of chapter 2 but your bibles are probably still open to it and you were dead in trespasses and sins you were spiritually dead. Dead means dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, We are spiritually alive once we are quickened, to use old King James language, once God makes us alive. But prior to Christ, we were dead. We use the language sometimes in church, you know, church whatever we do in our magazines and publications and talk about people who are seekers. They've got to be seeker friendly. Um, Dead people, two things about dead men they don 't tell any tales you learned that from uh, from from uh, Treasure Island, and they also don't seek they 're dead, spiritually dead, and we were dead. He says you were dead in your trespasses and your sins uh, ephesians two two you were following the course of this world whatever the world you know uh, I like that Paul Simon line. Uh, every generation throws a hero up the pop charts. Oh boy, uh, whatever's popular, whoever's popular, how do I capitalize on it? Oh, now, nowadays I got to be a YouTube influencer, I got to be a this or a that. And, and we follow whatever's going on out there. He says that, that's, what,
1: that's what your spiritually dead people do, they follow the dead old world. Yeah, I'll tell, I won't say this to the other churches, but I was a, kind of a, a thought. I thought
0: I was a rebel against my little conservative upbringing. And boy, there was a group back when I was a kid. Muse, musicians united for safe energy. And there was Jackson Brown, and there was Bonnie Raitt. There were all these people, and I was gonna whatever they said to do, uh, not what they did in their jets and all their their wastefulness. But whatever they said to do, I was going to be for that. No news. And then the next thing came along, and the next thing came along, and the next thing came along. And finally, Christ came back into my life, and I said, I'm going to be a little suspicious of what this world is throwing out there at me. When you're dead, when you're dead, you're still looking for something. And he said, you were following, you Ephesians were following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, Satan. Then he said in verse 3, you were uh, among whom we all once lived, himself too, lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And he's basically just in those verses identified the three enemies, three general categories of
1: enemy that you have as a Christian. The world, the flesh, the devil. You could say this, on your way to hell. That's where you were, spiritually dead, on your way to a physical hell. I was probably a kid back in the in the churches in Iowa
0: when people started talking about, and if you die without Christ, you go to a Christless eternity. I'm like, oh, I've never heard that. I've heard either go to heaven or hell. <laughs> My mom told me not to say the word heck. I said, Mom, does that mean if I die, I go to heaven or heck? Because <laughs> she didn't. She said heck was too close to hell. Uh, and we always heard about hell. Then this people started saying Christless eternity. Well, that's true. That's what hell is, is an eternity without Christ and without God. But even as a, as a kid, I'm sitting there as a teenager, I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, that's kind of lost its edge. I don't think people, uh, they're, they're a little more afraid of hell than they are of a Christless eternity because they don't even understand what that means. Uh, for us, we can say it as Christians who've walked with Christ, who've been loved by Christ and who love Christ, and that's exactly what hell is. But Jesus kind of used the old-fashioned word hell. Lake of fire, Gehenna, worm dieth not, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, outer darkness. There is a place called hell, and Jesus called it hell.
1: And that's where you're headed, if you're not a Christian. That's where you were headed, had God not intervened. And we're talking about grace, and we're talking about God intervening. We were without hope. We're unable to save ourselves. Look at verse 2-8. This is not your own
0: doing. It's the gift of God. We try things like being good. Maybe my really good deeds can outweigh my one bad deed that's haunting me. Or I went through a bad period of my life in my 20s. And now I've kind of settled down, which people generally do. And maybe in my 30s and 40s, I could kind of overcome my 20s.
1: Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Without hope. Think of one place you would love to go and see. And be at.
0: One thing. We talk about the bucket list. You know why we call it the bucket list? We've got like two two cliches that are going together here. They're they're both interesting. The bucket list came from the old phrase kick the bucket, which means die. And bucket list, somebody says, I gotta put this in my bucket list.
1: I want to do this before I die. Listen. After you're dead. After I'm dead,
0: Paula can't come whisper in my ear and say, Hey, Dave, I got some great news. I got World Series tickets for you. Just blink once if you want to go. I
1: can't go. Dead. I can't even know that I want to go. That's gone. You can't do it. Dead. Want to go to heaven? Dead. Don't know. Blink once, blink twice. No, you're dead. Spiritually dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's clear. Thankfully, there is a verse, or there is a
0: teaching, and it's embodied in this verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all
1: be made alive. Adam kicked the spiritual bucket when he ate the fruit. He died, spiritually. He died. That's death. Spiritually dead. Went on, lived, had
0: a son who, as Ron pointed out yesterday, I I hadn't heard it put this way in men's study. He says, the third human being ever on this earth was a murderer. (laughs) Think about that. Cain, murdering Abel. That's the wickedness of
1: this world. That's what sin will do right away. Boom, here comes the murderer. Adam was unable, Um,
0: death meaning uh, kicking the bucket, passing from death to life and losing all your attributes and functions necessary to sustain life. When Adam kicked the spiritual bucket, he passed from spiritual life and he lost all spiritual attributes and functions necessary to sustain
1: spiritual life. He was spiritually dead. What do you want to do, Adam? Walk with God in the cool of the day? Can't. You're dead.
0: What do you want to do, Adam? Have another test of whether
1: or not you'll take from that tree of good knowledge of good and evil? Can't. You're dead. They say, don't ride the roller coaster at Disney World with your mouth open. You know why they advise that? You might be swallowing someone's ashes. They're dead. Scatter
0: my ashes at Disney World. I read an article on this a couple years ago, how one of the things they look for when they search your bags are people smuggling ashes in to scatter them. And people are going to Disney World. Do those ashes say, wow, I love what they did to this roller coaster ride? No, they're dead. Dead means dead. You are dead before... God makes you alive. You're unable to save yourself. You're unable to be saved by others. You're unable to save other people yourself. Listen to this, and this is this is, is so good. This will get us in the Christmas spirit before Thanksgiving. Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that Old Marley was dead as a doornail. And then Dickens goes on and says, don't know where the phrase doornail came from, could have used coffin nail, that would have been better. But he 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 kind of expounds on that for a paragraph and it's kind of fun to draw you into the story. But he says this, You will therefore permit me to repeat emphatically that Marley was dead as a doornail. There was no doubt that Marley was dead, and then he says this, and this is for our sermon. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. It must be distinctly understood that you were spiritually dead, no pulse, no brain activity, or nothing wonderful can come from the story of God's grace in Scripture. If God just revived you, not made you alive from your death, that's a different story. Because maybe somebody else could have revived you. Or maybe you would have revived on your own. No, dead. No one can make you alive but God. That's our condition before God intervened.
1: What is our condition after God intervened? Ephesians
0: 2.5 It says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive.
1: Together with Christ, even while you were dead, you were made alive in Christ. It's talking about what we call the regeneration, the new birth, born again,
0: new orientation, a baby uh, coming into the world and just blinking and taking it all in. All of a sudden, you're alive spiritually. It's new. It's different. While you're a baby saved, sometimes you hear the phrase so-and-so that they're a baby Christian. That's not meant in Christian ease as an insult. That means as a kind of form of jealousy for one, because we'd all wouldn't mind being babies again and growing up and starting over and being able to run like we used to and all that stuff. But uh, it's, it's meant as a understanding. They are part of the family, but they're just growing. Someone's feeding them and nurturing them, changing their diaper, rocking them, comforting them, providing clothes and shelter, putting a baby on board sign on their car and driving safe to protect them and all of those things that happen. You're a child in God's family. You've been made alive. You've been born again. You've been regenerated. You were dead. Now you're alive. Welcome to the world, the real
1: world the real world. It says in
0: Ephesians 2.6, God raised us up with him. We celebrate the raising up of Jesus on Easter, the resurrection. We're raised up with him. We've passed from death to life. Ephesians 2.6, seated us with him in the
1: heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ now? The right hand of God. What does it say? How's that him go rich wounds yet visible above? Ascended to the right
0: hand of God. And you're with him there. You go in there, you're as good as there, but in the same way that he rules and reigns in his office and as, as king, you
1: also are an untouchable on this earth. What? No pain? What are you telling me? What are you saying? saying, for you to be seated with him even now
0: means this world does not have authority over you. 1 John 4, 4 4-6. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this
1: we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. You fear the one, not that can kill the body,
0: but you feel the, fear the one who can kill the soul and, and, and cast it forever into hell. And you've passed from death to life. Can't touch this, as the old song said. Can't touch this. Well, Paul, what did they say to him? People smile when I, when I say this. I heard MacArthur say it once in a sermon. I liked it myself. They're saying, Paul, we're going to kill you for sharing the gospel. He goes, good, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Go ahead and kill me. Well, then we're not going to kill you. We're going to make you live. Oh, good. Then I'll have an opportunity to live for Christ and and tell people about Jesus. Then we're going to kill you. (laughs) Good. We're going to let you live. Good. doesn't matter. Uh, You're
1: in a different realm as a Christian. You've been brought from death to life. We don't know what will come. Care in our flesh, we kind of care, but
0: we don't really, when we stop and think about it and put it that way, we hardly care. There's going to be a recession unless you vote this party in. Oh, there's going to be a recession if you vote that party in. There's going to be a recession. Well, you know what? Maybe there will be. You'll still be a Christian. You'll still be on your way to heaven. The Lord who provided for the birds of the air and the flowers of the field will provide for you. He'll give you everything you need in Christ Jesus. Uh, we don't need to worry.
1: We just get to worry, and then we get to confess it, and God lovingly gets to forgive us for that. What you were before God intervened, dead. What you are since
0: God intervened, alive. Why God intervened, that's, that's the beauty of the passage. Why did God intervene? Why did Why were you dead, and why did God make you alive? by giving you that gift of repentance and faith. Well, verse 4 says this, one thing about God, but God being rich in mercy. God being rich in mercy. So something about God's
1: mercy uh, that he's rich in, not poor in it, he's rich in it. We taught the kids in, in
0: Sunday school a few months ago, The definitions of mercy and grace, just basic definitions of mercy and grace. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Grace is when you do get what you don't deserve. Mercy and grace. Say you're a kid whose friend has really rich parents. Rich, indulgent parents. Not your parents, your friend's parents. Maybe this is an only kid and the parents have made lots of money and they want to spend a lot of money on their kids. Or maybe it's the last one and they've got big brothers out of the house and they also just pour on on onto this kid. He's your friend. You like video games. You like your Nintendo Switch. He's got the latest and greatest. He's got everything. He's got games that he won't even play. And you've got one on your list that you hope your parents get for you that year. And they don't get it for you. And he's got so many anyway. It's hardly fair. He won't even miss this one because he never plays it. You're over at his house as a little guy, and you'll
1: even finish it and bring it back and slip it back. And a bad thing happens. (laughs) There's two bad things in your life. One, you get caught. And two, your parents really have a thing about making you not steal and tell the
0: truth, and you're in trouble. And Maybe your dad says something, uh, a phrase of his is, maybe it's a Midwestern thing that we don't understand anymore. But you you know what it means when your dad says, I'm going to tan your hide. (laughs) You know what that means, and you're in trouble. And you've earned it because you're caught red-handed. You can try to explain why and all that. Well, there's reasons why, but the fact is you did it. You broke that law that's
1: there. Don't steal. If you're in this family, you don't steal. And you're just waiting for the axe to fall. And all of a sudden your dad doesn't spank you. Your dad not only reimburses for the game because
0: you might be halfway through yours and he doesn't want to interrupt your game. And you don't get what you deserve. And not only that, but that game is connected to a lot of other games with storylines and plots. He goes, I'm going to go buy you those games. You're like, why? I stole. Don't you know I kind of brought our name? You had to go down there and, to the neighbor's house and, and, and be humiliated
1: along with me. Why? You're happy, and the rest of us are saying, that's not fair. Why would that dad do that? Why would God save you when you deserve the punishment? You did more than one little game you stole. And the law says thou shalt not steal.
0: Why? Why would God cut you that break? I'm not saying that dad should have done that in a human level on that illustration, so don't let the illustration break down that way. But tell me that that's not what God did for us. Tell me it's not, that we didn't deserve the full wrath when God said, this is the way it's set up, this is what
1: happens if you do, and all of a sudden, you don't. I think verse 4 really helps, and we need to see that this
0: morning. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love
1: with which he loved us, Don't discount the love that God has for you. You may have been told all your life how you're worthless. Made to felt like that. Made, made as an outsider. You may say, nobody really loves me. That's why I can't love anybody you're a Christian, you need to examine, beg for it,
0: understand. Look at every passage that talks about God's love for you. You are loved by God, Christian, because of the great love with which he loved you. Well, why did he love me? Why would he love me? Don't know. Ask him when you see him. Ask him when you pray to him. But he does. It's because of the love that he had for you. That's not just in this one little letter to Ephesians. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son.
1: Look at God's love and don't run from it and don't make it clinical. Uh, Maybe just receive it. Great love that God has for you. He's full of mercy. He's full of love. And then what do people that love people do sometimes? Probably not enough They give them a gift to show they
0: love. Let this be a token of my love. I love you so much. I saw this, and this reminded me of you, and I just bought it for you. I love you. God's gift is the grace that he gave. He loved you when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He made you alive. He loved you still doesn't seem fair or just. What is grace? Uh, somebody said this, and the illustration will break down, so if you over-overthink over, it, if you just think it and maybe over, overthink it a little bit, this is a, this is a good starting place to understand grace. It's a good acronym, and it helps people like us. James Kennedy uh, uh, is the one who I first heard it from in a program on, on sharing the gospel.
1: What does grace stand for? God's riches at Christ's
0: expense. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. He gave you grace. He gave you what you didn't deserve, but he still didn't dishonor his own word and his own system of justice. God's riches for you. Christ's expense.
1: Your sins were paid for. They just weren't paid for by you. Boy, they were paid. You couldn't pay the bill. Jesus could. Why could Jesus do this?
0: Because he lived a perfect life, tempted but not giving in, without spot or
1: blemish. He became the lamb that went to the cross for you. And the punishment, the wrath of God, a.k.a. hell, was
0: unleashed on him. And that was satisfactory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It is finished. Telestai, we heard yesterday, reminded again, paid in full. It's God's grace alone. You couldn't even say, hey, God, just just to keep me in the game just to make me feel a, a little bit better, to, to not make me feel like I'm just an unworthy recipient, but to give me some dignity. Can you just pour just a fraction of that that uh, wrath on me? Give Jesus the bulk of it, but just let me have a little bit of it so I can say that me and Jesus worked together in this.
1: Um, what a foolish thing to, to say or to try to do. You couldn't stand any of it. Don't insult Jesus in His work for you. Somebody buys
0: you a gift and they love you, and you don't, you know, spit on it. Saw a guy turn a gift down right once, but he he needed to. He was getting fired. That same Walmart I told you about a while back, where Sam Walton shook my hand. That manager of that store was getting fired. His employees had a coup, and they all complained about him, and he was on his way out. And they all got together then on his way out. And Bought him a cake, and they all went together and bought him a little pen and pencil set that they used to have, those little, whatever, the famous brand of pens you would get as gifts. He took it, he said, I don't want it. And <laughs> walked out of the store. Well, it wasn't a gift given by somebody who loved him. And he didn't want to honor them. He wanted to dishonor them by turning down the gift. What if somebody who loves you gives you a gift? You, No, I'll get it myself. Well, you, in this case, you can't get it yourself.
1: Take the gift from the one who loves you, who died for you. And don't try and pay for it. Here, Sonny Boy,
0: here's a brand new Rolls Royce. Hey, I got it. All I've got in my pocket's a dollar. We can take that for it. No. It's a gift. You Give a dollar
1: for that? No, it's a gift. It's free. It's from God who loves you. God's mercy. God's love, God's grace, His riches at Christ's
0: expense, and there's one more little application for us, and that's in verse ten. Now, whenever I was a kid and we would uh, memorize this, um, they never really—I think—if if we got eight and nine, then kind of they pushed us on to memorize and at ten because it is connected, and it
1: is connected. For we are His workmanship.
0: Uh, somebody will point out to you, you'll hear it sometime. You probably know it. poiema, uh Greek word. His work of art. We are his masterpiece. We are his his something. He saved us. We were dead. We were rotten, stinking corpses. He saved us and all of a sudden we're a masterpiece from God. That's a good
1: that's a good sermon to hear. If you've ever heard that one. Think about that one. That's good. We're created for good works. We are
0: his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were born for good works. Even back when you were a corpse, because God knew what he was going to do with you, he was going to save you and make you alive. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You were saved to do good works. You weren't saved because of your good works. But boy, you were saved. you got your own unique thing to do that God has called you and saved you to do, and that's all part of the body fitting together. And and your thing that you do to bring honor to God as you live your life uh, might be a a different way that I bring honor to God, but we do all of our, whatever we do as we eat or drink, we bring it all for God's glory. We were
1: saved to do that, to do good things, to do good in this world. So do them. Four Four points as we as we head to the table. Four
0: four things to, to think about or be reminded of from this sermon. One, don't act as if you had anything at all to do with your Christianity. Don't act like you had something to do with it. God had everything to do with it. Jesus coming down did the works, the person and work of Christ. God came along and saved you. Don't try and share the share the, the glory that's his.
1: Second, Thank God for his loving mercy and loving grace in your life. Just be thankful for what he did. Don't know why. Not better than any of these people see on the news hurting. Don't know why. Why, God? Why was I a guest? Why? Why was I
0: alive? Why me? Personally, was it an accident? No, it wasn't.
1: It was you. One of you. He knew you. He's got that. Third, then, which incorporates verse 10 live like a Christian and not like
0: a dead man walking. You're not that anymore. You're alive in Christ. You get to live like it. He saved you to live like it. And you can live like it. And He enables you to live like it. When we stop living like it, he sends somebody along to remind us that we're not living like it, and we get back on track, and, and that's good. But live like it. You're a Christian? Okay, be a Christian. What's the Bible say a Christian should
1: do? Do that. Fall short? Confess it. Live like a Christian. And finally, didn't want to have a sermon
0: like this without saying this, and this is exactly what Paul is doing in this whole letter. Tell others about this free grace that is offered to all. Tell others about the free grace that is offered to all. Well, you just said it's God, and it's God. You know what? There's a level.
1: The Bible also says you make disciples of all nations. You go speak about God. See what God does. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. Thank you for sola gratia. Thank you for grace alone and for all the ramifications for us. In Jesus' name, amen. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered